at the end of the day, people are burning hours, if not days or weeks on this stuff. And there's a much easier, better way that quantitatively produces better results. So this is something where people are just spending a lot of time and, and there, there's a better way to do it. And we just really want to get that out to people. Humans should be spending their time, you know, thinking of the, the strategy of the content, the positioning, the angles, how to make this content exciting. You should let the you know machine do the heavy lifting. Hey everyone, you are listening to the MarTech Wiz podcast. So this podcast is all about marketing technology or MarTech, and we talk with marketing technology leaders about their marketing, their technology, and their journey in the business world of marketing technology. So what you'll take away from these discussions are industry best practices, some trends that are going on in marketing technology, as well as some actionable insights of things that you can implement in your organization. My name is Steven Stanzak, founder of Martech Wiz. Let's get into the podcast. In this episode of the Martech Wiz podcast, we interview Aki Balov of Market Muse. Market Muse is an AI-based tool that leverages uh, sophisticated machine learning algorithms to improve your content marketing. So Market Muse builds content maps to help you write more comprehensively around a topic. So yes, we geek out about the AI side of Market Muse, which has attracted fans of the likes of Neil Patel and Brian Dean, to name a few. We also delve into the building of a marketing technology tool from the ground up. So a lot of lessons learned there as well. Throughout the conversation, we identify some common gaps in people's content, how influencers can accelerate growth, and then the importance of topic authority in content. I recommend checking out marketmuse.com for more information, but first check out our conversation here. So to get started with the conversation, tell us just what MarketMuse is. Yeah, absolutely. So we make an AI-based software platform that builds content blueprints for content marketers and these blueprints show you exactly how to write to cover a topic comprehensively. So, for example, if you were to write about anything, I'd say podcasts, how would you write about it? Well, the way you would do it today is you probably search on Google, read the Wikipedia, etc. What we do is we go to the web, we download 10,000 content items on that topic, crunch it, and give you this blueprint that shows you here are the related topics you should talk about, the subtopics. Here are the questions you should address for somebody who's searching about podcasts and so on. So you provide the whole blueprint with a lot of different topics that people should be writing about to optimize their content strategy? Exactly. So let's say you want to write the ultimate guide to podcasts. How do you do that? You probably want to cover things like iTunes or maybe Audible or maybe recording devices or these these kinds of concepts. And you'd want to, and we give you a way to and figure out what's the most relevant areas and, and what are sort of the, the, you know, the main pieces and the most important pieces and then what are the kind of pieces connected to those. And so we help you build that story as you kind of craft that story better. I've tried to do that manually for some articles I've written and it took a long time. So I really wish I knew about Market Muse. Uh, basically what I did was for a guide that I was writing on SEO for WordPress. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss out any of the main topics. So I think I copy and pasted the text from the top 10 wrecking articles. And then I found the most frequent words in that set of text. But it was really a pain. I'm not even sure if it really worked. 
it takes a long time. It, it takes hours, you know, for one content piece. Uh, could take longer. We've heard from, for example, agencies when they get a new client, there's a 60 day ramp up period just to really understand that client's industry. It's really hard to write great content, you know, and if you haven't worked in that industry before and so on. And so what we do basically is the, you know, significantly high power version of what you, you could do manually. Uh, you know, we just we piece it together from massive data sets and, 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 and identify those kind of you know, blind spots pretty quickly. So how did you come up with the idea for Market Muse? Yeah, well, it's been, you know, kind of a journey, to be honest. So my background is I was an engineer, software engineer, and then a management consultant in analytics. So I used to work with Fortune 500s and help them figure out how can they use analytics, machine learning, data science to compete. And from then went to a venture capital fund where I was looking at big data investments. And it, it was funny because I was based in New York for a year and then I moved to Boston to join this fund. And two weeks in, the, the founder of the fund, uh, Scott Maxwell, pulled me aside and said, you know what, it's like, I, I know we just met, but I feel like you should take an operating role. You should build a startup. I think that you'd really be into that. And I followed his advice. And, you know, several years later, uh, here we are. And, and, you know, I basically, the long story short is I wanted to build a machine learning system. Um, but I, I actually, I first started in healthcare. I wanted to analyze healthcare data to help hospitals kind of measure the impact they have on a population. But the data was just really hard to access. The sales model was very difficult. And some of my mentors who were, uh, were investors in healthcare basically suggested, hey, for your, for your first startup, you might not want to do this. It's, it's pretty hard. So, and, and the thing about building a, an AI system or machine learning system is you're building a rocket ship. It just, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's sort of whether you're building a small rocket ship or a big rocket ship, it is actually a rocket ship. There's a lot of sophisticated data engineering, algorithms, etc. And, and, and then, of course, not to mention the business problem, the UI, UX, and all of that. So, so I thought content would be, A, kind of an easier place because you can download virtually unlimited amounts of content and analyze it and, and just do a lot of cool stuff pretty quickly and easily, relatively easily. And secondly, content is just, there's a big need because content right now is completely done kind of whiteboarding, brainstorming, people just trying to piece it together, figure it out. Um, you have for, for paid and social, you have a lot more programmatic, you know, angles, you have a lot more kind of quantitative metrics you can tie to. But for content, you just really don't have anything. Um, there are some great workflow platforms, but there's nothing that's, that makes it quantitative. And so that's where I saw the opportunity and, and sort of one and one, you know, one plus one click then became three. Do you help with analysis of content that has already been written or is that outside of the scope? Yeah, so we have a, a, a content planning platform that we are constructing and we've also been delivering it as a service. And basically there what we do is we look at your entire site all of your pages, all of your keywords, all of the concepts within those pages, etc. We analyze all of that and we basically identify what your content issues are. You know, where do you have low quality content? Where do you have content gaps? Maybe there's a topic and there are you know 10 things related to that topic and you've covered eight of them, but you've missed two. So where are all those gaps? And we can do that at scale and, and identify, you know, really can be millions of insights from that. 
and then we prioritize them and give you, you know, here's the 20 you should do this month, here's the 50 you should do next month, whatever. So, so we can build content plans based on this, essentially this approach, but at scale. Have you found any common areas of weakness or typical gaps that people have in their content? Actually, yes, all the time, because people don't have uh, 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 anything to compare to. It's really hard for a content marketer to know what success looks like. I mean, I'll, you know, for example, there's a, one of my earliest demos was with a very large public media company based in Boston that you have all heard of. And they published a guide, the ultimate guide to email marketing. And it was a 60-page white paper that or ebook that just really tried to cover everything about email marketing. And in a in, in a two-minute demo, I was able to show them that they missed some key concepts around email deliverability, spam traps, honeypot, you know, that kind of stuff that you might not think about first when you're looking for an email marketing, you know, to do email marketing, but it actually ends up, you know, becoming a big part of your life uh, if you've done it. So we find these things all the time. For example, um, in one of the demos that I use often, I use a topic of latex gloves. What's the most important thing you would want to know if you're writing about content, content about latex gloves? It's the concept of a latex allergy and then the allergic reaction and so on. And so it turns out there's another type of glove called the nitrile glove that is non-allergenic. And I didn't know any of this, but when you build that model in, in market news, it, it shows you these things. And so... As we look at sites, we just we see a lot of these kind of insights pop up. Have you or any clients used this for research purposes? I think it would be great in addition to informing content strategy just to help really learn comprehensively about a topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, as we're a, a, a startup, we have to be very focused. So we've had to prioritize based on the commercial opportunity, but it definitely has applications and research both for marketers and scientific research uh, just a lot of different areas that where we're topic modeling basically the branch of science that we employ is topic modeling the topic modeling can be used in a, in a lot of different areas it could be used to assess you know political topics and political discourse or legally what within a contract what have you covered what have you not covered there's, there's a lot of the, or, or recruiting you know somebody's resume and how do their skills link to each other but we just happen to choose content because that's where the pain point is, is the biggest right now. As marketing becomes more tech-focused, more marketers learning to code, learning more about machine learning, I wanted to hear you talk a little bit about the tech and the algorithms behind Market Muse. Yeah, I mean, for us, um, because my specific background and specific interest is in machine learning, I really wanted to double down on, on, on the ML aspect myself. Um, I probably, in hindsight, could have just kind of hacked it a little bit more. But I spent the first year and a half, two years, just in my apartment coding. Um, and my, my co-founder, Richard, is a, is a semantic uh, text mining systems designer. So we would spend a lot of time and just, just building it out and um, making sure that the data is high quality. And, and there's actually a lot of things that go into just cleaning the data and, and, and um, you know, identifying pieces to, to boost or to, to, to take out and so on. So without getting into it too much, we, we really spent a lot of time. There are also a lot of algorithms that you can use for this type of thing. So topic modeling is a branch of science. The first arguably topic modeling technologies came out in the 70s called TFIDF, 
Um, some kind of SEO experts might be familiar with that. So there's some TF-IDF tools that basically looks for how many keywords are, how often are keywords mentioned uh, across documents. Um, then in the late, I think in the 90s, there was another branch of science or another invention called latent semantic indexing, which is something that Google also used. I guess a, a quick way to describe that is you take a lot of content and you compress it and you get like a, like a compressed version and, and there's a lot of keywords that come out of that. And then in the early 2000s, there was a new invention, a new branch of science called latent Dirichlet allocation, which is actually machine learning to, to learn your training classifiers, to learn, uh, you know, topic, to, to build topic models. And, and then it went from there. There you know, different Google came out with some technologies, TensorFlow and so on. And, and, and so there's just a lot of um, related text mining technologies. And so what we've, we've really tried to do is to build anything new that comes out that could be used for this purpose. We, we look to build it into the system and we've developed a number of, um, of inventions of our own as well, a number of algorithms uh, that specifically address this problem. So for us, we've been really heavy. In fact, most of, almost all of our engineering has actually gone into data engineering and data science. And then we have you know, one UI developer who you know, have been able to work wonders with just the fact that he's kind of alone, but it's really, you know, hats off to him. But um, yeah, we've, we've really doubled down on the, on the machine learning side since founding. What are some things you would do differently looking back? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, there's, there are a lot of mistakes, but I think the biggest one, uh, some of the biggest, there are several of the biggest, biggest ones, but um, one is I actually... I felt very strongly about this idea, but I didn't know how to articulate it. I think that was the biggest challenge. And that is a challenge common for a lot of startups, actually. Um, so the founder of Dropbox, Drew Houston, um, he was, uh, I guess, whether if you're in New York, it's Houston. <laughs> but um, he, um, he was speaking at MIT, uh, and, and he was talking about this, too, in the early days of Dropbox. Yeah, he wasn't able to articulate it very easily to investors because, you know, what is Dropbox? It's a file sharing and synchronization platform that's backup software. But, but wait a moment, there's hundreds of things like that. I, people didn't really get it. When you see Dropbox, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I need that immediately. And you, you start using it, you never stop. And it was the same with, with us with the twist that when I would go to marketers and say, what are you working on? Well, well we're modeling topics. They're like, well, what, what's a topic? And I'm like, I, I, I thought you might know. Well, we have keywords. Yeah, keywords are kind of like topic, but they're like, they're like not exactly topic. So it was just explaining that was very challenging. And we didn't get better at that, frankly, until a third co-founder, Jeff Coyle, came on in late 2015. He had formerly run the search team, search and content optimization team at a public company called Tech Target in Massachusetts. And, and so he's been, he had been working on this problem building these topic models and taxonomies manually for over 10 years. So when he saw it, he was able to connect the dots and really articulate it better. But uh, I think that was the biggest, the biggest challenge on us. What advice do you have for a founder that is having difficulty articulating their product in a way that resonates? Yeah, I mean, look, when you're starting a startup, you never have everything. You know, you, you really are working with what, what you have. So you can either do... It's, 
it's like there's two ways of you know estimating market size top down or bottom up and you start at one side and get to the other it's the same way so you either start with the technology if you're more of a technologist or developer start with the technology work on that side and then aim to get over to the customers and the business side and understand their needs and 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 their profiles better or if you're a business side you start a business and 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 then look to differentiate through technology and and build something that's novel in terms of ip and and, and so on so uh, you know, build high quality software. So it really does, though, at the end of the day, it does flow from the customer and their pain points. So the more time you can spend with customers, the better. But again, for our purposes, we started with machine learning, wanted to make that really great, and then figure out how to plug it into workflows. So that is definitely a slower route, I would say, to revenue. Uh, but uh, because if, if you're working with on the customer side, you can always provide consulting services. And, and we did too, so you can make some money and help you bootstrap just by providing services. So that's probably arguably the easier side to stomach because at least you have some money coming in and more validation. Uh, but uh, you know, if you're building an AI system, you, you kind of have to you know, dig into the AI as well, even on the founder level, I, I would say. So is that how you brought on some of your first customers by offering services and consulting and then introducing the technology? We, we did not start offering consulting until Jeff joined us two years in. What I was basically doing was just, I was spending most of my time coding in that first year and a half. And then I would go and talk to, just try to talk to as many kind of creative thinkers, you know, creative marketers as possible. Creative in the sense of people who are open to new solutions and were, were thought leaders and you know, I just talked to as many as possible and, 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 and some of them, I would say maybe many of them saw the vision and saw that that was something that's interesting and something that could be helpful. And so I basically had about, we had about 10 early evangelists, quote unquote, early evangelist customers when, when Jeff joined in 2015. And then we got into, you know, with consulting, we were able to get into more uh, larger client opportunities and, and more sophisticated deals and just and actually it opened up new product development areas as well, new ideas for products. When you look back, what would you point out as some of the rapid acceleration points for Market Muse or has it just been a smooth line up and to the right? Definitely a bumpy ride no matter how you look at it. The major inflection points for us were number one, there was right around the time Jeff joined uh, was the first time that industry influencers started writing about us and we were featured, our data was used in some data journalism and that started driving some you know, relevant people to our site who were interested in what we were building and, and they saw that it, it was something that was unique. So that was a major inflection point. Then after, of course, Jeff joining was a major inflection point in itself. Then. As soon as Jeff joined, one of the first things he did was we built up a, a customer success team so that every customer that works with us, we, we want to make sure that they're successful. And all in all, we've, we've had a pretty good uh, track record with it. There are always one or two customers every year that even though we, we make our best attempt, we just cannot make them successful for different reasons. And we, we try to learn and adapt and, and evolve from that. But building that customer success team was a major inflection point. Bringing on our, our, our first non-founding salesperson uh, who has grown with the role and expanded and now has a team of his own 
that was a major inflection point. That's something I wish I would have done a little bit earlier because he came on in late 2016. Uh, so it, it would have been a little bit better. We would have saved some time if we would have brought him on maybe six months earlier. We would have had more uh, revenue traction faster. Yeah, so, you know, a couple, bringing on a director of engineering, uh, really he's an acting VP of engineering, uh, just three, four months ago, really helped me because I was running the engineering side, the product side, and fundraising, and and some other, you know, hiring, and, and I was just wearing too many hats. And, and in all reality, he's a much, much better engineering manager than I ever was. So when he came on, he was able to take the existing team and really organize them and, and make a lot of uh, improvements and, and make that experience better for our developers. Really, to be honest, in this career, you, you really get inflection points every month or sometimes every week or sometimes multiple in a week. So there's just always a lot of really exciting things going on. And, and that excitement gets you through the, the hard times because the reality is it's really hard to build one of these things. Uh, you know, to start a startup, to any kind of company, whether it's a you know software company or an agency you're looking to boot up, or or a, a consulting company, or whatever. You're, if you're a solopreneur, whatever you're trying to do, it's pretty hard, and you have to learn a lot of new skills. So these you know these kind of positive signals that you're on the right track keep you going. What have you found to be the most effective marketing channels for Market Muse? Yeah, I uh, honestly, uh, Stephen, I, I wish I knew. Uh, I, I can tell you the channels that so far we've been able to actually use are, well, influencer marketing was the first marketing channel. To be honest, the very first channel was just th that I used was outbound products. So before I started, before I sat down and spent a year and a half writing code, I just cold called a bunch of HubSpot partner agencies, probably called about 100 of them. And the ones that you know were willing to talk to me, let's say maybe 20 or 30 that, that responded, um, I told them what I'm working on, and I had a, about a 25% conversion to demo from there. So when I told them what I'm working on, they were quite interested. And 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 you know, for you know, in, in marketing, 25% conversion on anything sounds you know pretty good. So 25% of the people that I talked to said yes i'd be interested in uh you know in, in in seeing a demo and one of them actually one of the large i think he the, runs the largest hotspot agency or one of the largest he actually started talking pricing right on that first call and that's when i knew that i think you know i had something you know uh, i had an, an opportunity so that kind of testing really helped are there any marketing tactics that fell flat just didn't work at all Gosh, you know, we're so early on into marketing ourselves, to be honest, that we have not tried as many things as, as we'd like to. Uh, but I can tell you, uh, conferences have been hit or miss. So sometimes when you go to a conference, I had been to conferences before at earlier startups and earlier companies. And so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with going up to people and just introducing myself. But that has worked better at conferences where there are more senior people. At conferences where there are more junior people, sometimes I found, at least for myself, that that's hard to do. Sometimes they they react kind of unfavorably, or just they just are not sure how to handle that situation when a stranger just comes up to them uh, and, and starts talking. So so that has been more hit or miss. So we're still trying to figure that out, and we haven't been able to uh, you know really invest into booths or trade shows or things like that yet. So that's something we'll, we'll be looking to do in twenty eighteen. We'll say that uh, 
Yeah, you know, we've been building our content. So if you go on marketmuse.com, you see case studies and, and a lot of great content. But our search performance is actually almost zero right now. So uh, we are not ranking. I think we're ranking for less than 100 keywords, and they're usually just the brand market muse. Uh, so that's a signal that there's a lot more that needs to be done there. Um, you know, we got lucky with a couple of influencers like Neil Patel and Brian Dean at Backlinko picked us up in the early days and, and, and we're really excited and we published or collaborated our posts together. And so that's been really helpful. But, you know, those are those are always, you know, you, you get lucky. Those are, those are, you know, saving throws when you get them. Yeah, so we have not yet figured out. I think email marketing, there's, you know, we, we've done a little bit, but email marketing and, and anything that I put in email has actually helped more, been more helpful, I would say, for the company itself, for us to kind of understand the messaging and to run experiments. We haven't had a tremendous influx of, of demand from email marketing, but it's been great to just kind of, just the, the the process of putting together content like email or a case study really helps you define the and articulate what it is you're about and, and, and you know how to talk about your products and services. So I would say on marketing, we're we're just trying to scratch the surface. How are you able to connect with thought leaders like Neil Patel and Brian Dean? A lot of people would love to be in their company. Yeah, honestly, this is what worked for me. But um, I would just say focus on the product. If you really in the early you know, days, in the first two years, just make the product something that's really, really awesome. So when people hear about it, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I've never heard of. It. I didn't even know that's possible." And so we were we were connected to uh, Brian Dean and Neil. Um, Brian Dean, I think, in 2015, and Neil in 2016, and both of them, you know, were just excited. But we were we were connected to them through just friends of the company. So. As I would meet people and talk to them and tell them the problem we're solving, you know, I would say maybe one out of ten people would just be really, really interested and passionate about seeing this thing come to market, and they would make connections for us, and and it would just kind of grow. But it's very a very organic process, uh, and uh, and and Brian and Neil have both been very helpful, and 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 we continue to do to to try to find ways to partner with them. But that's also something we love to expand. So. You know, if any, you know, anybody out there who's a, a marketing influencer and content, or just if you're a content strategist or just a content editor or, or content marketer, you know, love to love to talk to you, of course. But um, it just has been a very organic path. Where do you see content marketing going in the next few years? Here's how I think about it. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how long it takes for the market to catch up to this reality. But I think that content is, is really, really important. Um, so I was actually I was actually meeting with the head of search at, at IBM uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about this. And, and my view is right now there's a lot of focus on you know Facebook advertising and and a lot of different paid and social acquisition channels, which are really really important. But they are driven very much based on you know recency and freshness. So what's that ad you know that you see right away, and you click right away, and then you see some content right away and, and it's all very quick you know very fast moving and of course very quantitative which is great they've, they've done a wonderful job of building out that platform content on the other hand is slow moving so you start writing it you know there's a lot of it there's a lot of questions to address and you don't start to see the the the, the boost or the you know the the um the inbounds and so on until until you've been doing it for a while 
But my, you know, my kind of the way I think about it is sort of like the difference between watching an action movie and reading a book is, you know, yes, the action movie has a lot of explosions, you're, you're drawn to it, and, and it definitely have their place in, in, you know, kind of your overall information consumption. But you should also read a book from time to time. You, you can learn a lot from it. And at the end of the day, companies like IBM and companies that are serious about content, even companies that are, you know, Series A, Series B funded, but recognize that in order to grow, they need to really build that content base today. I mean, Intercom is an exceptional example of this. They really drive uh, a significant amount of their traffic through content. You know, that, that investment in content makes sense. So, so I, I, I believe what would happen, to answer your question, is, uh, Stephen, is I believe what would happen is, um, you know, Facebook and other platforms get more and more popular the cost to advertise in these platforms continues to increase and and it basically crowds out a lot of folks and there's just a natural uh, you know shifting from paid budgets to content budgets and at the end of the day more content is created better content is created content on more niche topics is created so instead of just buying for this the search for credit cards as a search term you can get some very niche content items in there um, and, and, and differentiate your brand and, and what you're about. And, and, the, and the internet becomes a better place because there's a lot more content, more descriptive content, more niche content, and, and everybody wins. Can you talk a little bit about topic authority and how people can use that to increase the effectiveness of their content? Yes, yes. So the quick background on the, the, the science behind it, or I guess why why this is the right time to be thinking about topical authority, is a few years ago, up until a few years ago, Google really focused on keywords. So what keyword, do you have this particular keyword in your title, your headers, your subheadings, etc., um, in the first paragraph, and they would really look at to that as cues for what your content is about. But in 2013, they actually, er, er, earlier, I think in 2011, 2012, they bought a company called Freebase, which is, is a large semantic graph, uh, uh, which basically is a, a, a graph that connects concepts and show how closely they're related to other concepts and so on. And so they bought that and then they snapped it into Google with their Hummingbird update in 2013. So search went from focusing on keywords to focusing on topics. And, and now they're actually measuring and scoring the quality of your content, the comprehensiveness of your content. So they're looking at what is this individual page about? How about that is it? How well does it describe that topic? What is your site about? What are the topics on your site? How do they relate? So most marketers do not realize this, but search has moved from keyword-based to topical-based. And so when you write really great content, you can see it that it ranks for thousands and thousands of keywords, even though most of those keywords might not even be mentioned in the actual content, but it's just an authoritative piece. So there's several types of authority, but topical authority is one of them. It's the authority where, where you are a thought leader on a topic. You really describe that topic extremely well. Um, you can think of it as there's a term topic clusters. So you, you take a, a broad topic like, you know, let's say podcast, and then you think of all the related topics that are relevant to that, and there's subtopics and sort of a hierarchy. And then you think of the collection of content you have that connects to those topics and subtopics. And that together is your topic cluster. So a small company might have, you know, two or three topics you're about. You know, it might be just latex gloves, nitrile gloves, you know, barrier protection products. Those are the three things your site is about. 
a very big company, you know, might have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of topics even. But basically, you want to take a topical approach and build your content out that way. Describe those topics in great detail. I find that when I start writing a series of posts on a topic, once I get to around the third or fourth post, they really start to rise quickly in the rankings versus if I just write a post on a one-off topic. So it takes a while to build that topical authority. Once you do have it, the benefits are real. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I love about this is that it's 100% aligned with what Google is trying to do as well. So Google is trying to surface the best content that answers the questions you're posing it in search. And so what's the the best content is the content that really describes it and has kind of branches off and you can go in different directions and, and it really just gives you the information you were looking for. So, you know, I, I hesitate. I don't call this the SEO market. It's, it's the content optimization market uh, or organic search. I think of it as organic search, but, you know, SEO means a lot of different things to a lot of people and, and technical SEO is still very, very important, especially when you're maintaining a very large website. There's a lot of things around the, the linking and setting up the, the, the engineering side of it so that the site performs well at load times. There's so many things involved there, but this is the, the intersection of organic search and content marketing, where you're writing both to build readership and engagement and ultimately conversions, but also tra SEO traffic, ranking, you know, leads and so on. You have an interesting background, management consulting, venture capital. How have those helped you in your current role? Yeah, I, you know, it really, it really is additive. So in order to, in, in my view, in order to really build a company, you need to have a lot of different skill sets. And these skill sets need to be represented. Both you have to have the skills and also your team. Your team has to have these skills as well. And so really, it's, it really takes a village. And it's a lot of different people, different skills and, and unique uh, angles, you know, coming together to build something that's awesome. But the more skills you have in your toolkit, you know, the, the more it helps. And that's that's really what I wanted to do. I, I realized that I wanted to do startups from an early age. I founded a couple of companies that were not tech companies. They were just kind of small experiments with my friends or some community organizations, uh, etc. So So I was just trying to build stuff. But I also had this interest in software, so I explored that for a while. The management consulting experience gave me some a way to look at analytics and, and, and data science that was, at the time, this was 2007, it was my first engagement. It really was uh, cutting edge, and it is still today. That, that We actually piloted a practice in a consulting company. We piloted a practice with just a handful of people, and now it's a 300-person practice side price waterhouse so um, it's definitely something that's growing and it'll keep growing but um, you know they were, they were all different skills and you know I would say though at the same time what you want to do if, if you, you know you should just kind of jump in and try it right because at the end of the day you know the all of these different career paths I had I also had an internship in private equity that was pretty cool and I really enjoyed it and they were all great skills that added to it but um, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to very specific things. So you have to make a great product, understand your customers. And so, you know, it, from one perspective, I'm, I'm 32 now, but in one perspective, I could have started, if I would have started eight years ago or six years ago, that could have helped. But on the other hand, the fact that I started when I was 28 uh, really uh, 
you know, gave me some skills to draw on. So it's a, it's a balance. It really is. What are some different skills that you're trying to build out in your skill set now? Now I'm trying to, I mean, there's always so many gaps and, and this type of job really shows you all of the things that you're not good at and it, you know, rubs it in your face. <laughs> there, there's no getting around it in this career path. So um, I'm really bad at marketing, uh, PR, uh, you know, these are some of the angles that we're working on branding, positioning. These are some of the next angles to pursue. Building a team is something that I've, I've, I've built a 12 person team in the past, but now we're, we're, uh, we're, we're significantly bigger. So, um, that's something I'm practicing day to day, articulating kind of, or, or reporting out to investors that at least I'm a little more comfortable on that side. But I would say, yeah, understanding the customer, building better products to serve the customer, that, that'll be an endless goal. You can never get too good at that. Um, so. It just, it just, it's a very deep and rich uh, career path. I really enjoyed it, but um, I, I would not be here doing this without all of my co-founders and all the people who have helped, people who are currently with the company or people who are not with the company anymore, but uh, have helped tremendously, advisors, mentors. It really, it's taken over 100 people, just anecdotally, over 100 people to make market news where it is today. And, and, and you know, as we grow, it'll probably take a couple hundred more. Where do you see Market Muse going in the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of uh, really interesting plans. So right now on the page level, when we build these blueprints that show you how to write content, one content item for one particular topic, that business is booming. So we're investing into the sales and marketing growth on that, looking to get out to more conferences and, and more marketing channels and experiment and see what, what really clicks. Um, we're looking to focus our our the, the our uh, ideal customer profile. So we have a lot of different types of customers, and we're really trying to find one, hopefully the one or maybe two customers that feel this pain point most acutely, and we can add the most value fastest. Um, we're also building out our content planning, content strategy platform. It's in it's in pretty good shape. We've we've, we've delivered over two dozen content strategies over the last year, some of them for very, very large websites where there was a lot of data crunching involved. There was one site where we analyzed 300,000 pages of content and they were ranking for 110,000 keywords and we crunched all of that data and built a database of, I think, four or five million insights as to what individual insights on how they could improve their content. So that was you know, the, we've tested it at scale and it works really well. So we're just looking into digging in on uh, more on that side too, from a product perspective. We have a lot of really interesting data uh, projects underway to improve data quality. That's an always, you know, just a personal uh, focus and, and favorite kind of area for me to spend my time in. And then we have API integration. So we're plugging into a number of software companies that basically offer other parts of the content experience, but they don't offer topical authority or, or comprehensiveness or relevance or authority. So we're plugging those into to other systems. Uh, so, I mean, it's really going to be just, you know, focusing more over the next two, three, four years and, and really just digging into all the opportunities that we know are there and, and just trying to help more marketers at larger scale. Because at the end of the day, people are burning hours, if not days or weeks on this stuff. And there's a much easier, better way that 
quantitatively produces better results, we can often show better results in, in a week or a couple of weeks, you know, for very large sites. So, so this is something where people are just spending a lot of time and, and there, there's a better way to do it. And we just really want to get that out to people to, so that, you know, humans should be spending their time, you know, thinking of the, the strategy of the content, the positioning, the angles, how to make this content exciting. You, you should let the, you know, machine do the heavy lifting on that one. What is the best way for members of the audience to learn more about Market Muse and get in touch with you? Well, first of all, check out marketmuse.com, marketmuse.com. We have a blog with a lot of great articles, case studies. Check that out. Um, we have a free content grader tool that you can just go on our site, put in a, a, a topic and a, a content item you want to evaluate and put in your email and you'll get some insights and it shows you how we think about it. So there's that. Um, I get a lot of email, but I try to respond to everything. For anyone who is, you know, who, who has this pain point or is passionate about it, my email is aki, A-K-I at marketnews.com. If I, if you don't hear back from me, I, I, you know, I apologize, but I really try to get to everything. I have some machine learning tools that filter emails in my inbox, so kind of a nerd that way. But, um, but yeah, just shoot me a note and, and really I'm happy to help and, um, you know, email, if you write, especially if you, if you write specifically what you're looking for in the email, then that, that can help kind of route it and, and I, you know, I, I'd love to be helpful. As you can tell, Aki has an infectious positive spirit and an optimistic drive, very inspiring. Couple that with the technological rigor and sophistication from his engineering background, and I think you'll agree that Market Muse is really primed for some great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and picked up some ideas that you can use to improve your content marketing or if you're building out a marketing technology tool. Definitely check out marketmuse.com. They have a great blog and other information. And please subscribe to the MarTech Wiz podcast on whatever platform that you listen to to get alerted of future episodes. Thanks for tuning in.